When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for the Bears Nation podcast with your hosts, Kevin Lapka and Jake Hassan. Get ready for a lot of fun and excitement. Strap it in. I know you're going to dig this. It's Bears Nation, baby. To the Batmobile. Let's go. All right. It is Thursday, November 16th. I'm back. Uh, I missed a couple episodes, but and I'm going to miss a couple in like a week. But anyway, I'm back uh, for a short period of time to discuss uh, just in time this stupid team and the return of Justin Fields to the playing field. I hate that I said that. I didn't mean to do that, but whatever. Anyway, Justin Fields is back this week against the Lions. The Bears are heavy underdogs because, you know, the Lions are good and the Bears are not as they uh, continue to try and secure two top five picks uh, a couple months from now because, you know, it's week 11 and this is where we're at is draft stuff. Glad to be here. Really, really great. Um, but no, we do have a game that we will discuss. Uh, the biggest thing here, obviously, is Justin Fields coming back, his return from the thumb injury that kept him sidelined for a few weeks. We got to see the Tyson Bajan experience for a couple weeks, prove that he's fine and a capable backup, definitely has a place in the NFL, but just not as a starter that wins you a bunch of games and takes you to the playoffs. But nevertheless, a, a uh, feasible an acceptable quarterback who will be a backup for a long time in the NFL. And that's fine. But end of the day, uh, this is about Justin Fields for the next seven weeks, how he plays, how he looks, what he does on the field is going to influence uh, really the draft and the off season and what you do. I'm of the belief, and we've talked about this, that no matter what Justin Fields does over the last seven weeks, it's probably not enough. Uh, Kevin Lapka, of course, the Justin Fields stand that he is, uh, is on the other side of that argument and thinks that Justin Fields has more than enough time to prove that he can be the franchise quarterback of this organization. Uh, and I think a good segue into this is Matty Rafflus was on the stand yesterday, talked to the media and he's, and he got asked directly, does Justin Fields to seven weeks, seven games, enough time for Justin Fields to prove that he can lead this team. And Matty Rafflus, of course said, yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of season left. There's a lot of game left. He, we know that that athlete, that player is in there. He's just got to show it. And I said this to you, Kevin, and your replies, of course, Matty Rufus is going to say that. He has to say that because it applies to him, too. He's talking about himself. He's got seven weeks to prove that he can win some games and he can continue to be the head coach of this team. Because as of right now, season ends today, that guy's out of here. He's done. It's over. Finito. Zippo. More time for Matt Eberflus. But he, him and Justin Fields are tied together. They're linked. However well Justin Fields does, theoretically, is probably influencing if Matty Rufloos is the head coach of this team. Because theoretically, Justin Fields plays well, you win some games. You win games, you keep your job. Probably applies to both of them. 
They're linked in my eyes uh, for the most part. Of course, you could have the games like you did against the Broncos where Justin Fields plays really well and you still lose by the skin of your teeth. And then that's on coaching, obviously, because that was a horribly coached game at the end of that game. And that's why you lost. So the, you know, the two don't have to be linked, but I don't think they're mutually exclusive either. And you are really upset with that. Well, it makes no sense, Jake. How could they be linked? That was literally the contrary to the argument we made all offseason and all of last year is that Justin Fields is playing high-level football. He looks like one of the top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL for a good stretch last year. He's doing everything he's, he can to put the team on his back and win them football games, and they just kept losing, which was an indictment of the coaching staff and specifically Amadi Bufluse at the time because the defense was terrible, and you can make that case earlier in the year. Now the defense has looked better. You can't really make that case, and you hope you can't make that case for the next seven weeks if they continue to play well, which you hope they do, but they are not linked. And you don't want them to be linked because you fear now the possibility, and we have always you know, discussed this, of Justin Fields playing really well and making Matt Eberflus look good and Justin's you know, capabilities being the cause of the Bears retaining Matt Eberflus at some point. That cannot be the case, obviously. And there has to be recognition that Fields and Eberflus are independent and the recognition that Fields can be a significantly better player if he's gone. Which is why, like the the just the problem that the Bears face, and the the big problem of not firing coaches in season, and this dumb reputation, and this dumb thing that they do forever of not firing head coaches is like now you muddy the waters by keeping him around. Like Jake, if they had fired Eberflus, say after the Chargers game, right, or or even before that, say you fired him after the Broncos game, because you know that was a mess. And whatnot. And it was a short week before the Commanders game that week. But nonetheless, like then you could discover things about the quarterback probably because the coach is gone. But now you do enter that space that you have proposed where the two could be tied together. Whereas when you look at teams now like the Las Vegas Raiders that have now realized all these different things were due to coaching because they fired the coach and had the balls to fire a coach. They now have a direction of where to potentially go with the franchise from here. Whereas with the Bears, you don't if things go well. Like you just and and the even more fearful possibility that we've talked about so many times is okay, Justin plays well enough the next seven weeks that they do end up winning games, but they still come to the decision to move on from Justin, but keep Eberflus. And Justin is keeping Eberflus around because he's playing well and because he's getting wins and, hey, the defense looks good and that's already a good thing for Eberflus's resume when he can walk into that office at the end of the year. So, no, the two should not be linked. I don't think they are linked, and I'd be terrified if that is the case. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. Uh, this week is a really tough test, though, to come back in general. Uh, I'd be surprised. I'm not expecting a lot this week. The Lions defense is very good. The Bears offensive line continues to just be this absolute cataclysmic whatever. I mean, people move in positions every other day, guys injured every other day, people coming back. Now Nate Davis is playing right guard again because he's back from injury. So Tevin Jenkins moves back to left guard after he was playing really well at right guard. Lucas Patrick's your center. Darnell Wright continues to be a rookie and he's played well, but you know, those rookie mistakes are going to keep happening. And it's just so exhausting to keep doing this 
with the offensive line. And oh, great, now here's Aiden Hutchinson. Have fun with that. That's really, really great. Obviously, Justin Fields being there who can run a little bit more than Tyson Bajan and there's a little bit better athlete than Tyson Bajan gives you at least a little more wiggle room, but it's still not a great situation uh, to be placed in after you've been off, you know, hurt, you know, off hurt for what, four weeks, three weeks. So not great. I Not what you want. You think it's a good situation to be put in? This, you you can argue whether it's good or bad. But what you can argue is that this is I would, the best situation. I would love situation. to hear the argument for how oh, it's good. I, I, I'll make the argument. This is the best situation Justin Fields is walking into from a personnel standpoint in his entire, entire career with the Chicago Bears. Entire career. Best, best, best playmakers on offense. All healthy. Best offensive line construction. In the past, for the entire year, and obviously better than anything they had last year. Coaching, sure, as bad as it was, right? Best personnel Justin Fields will be playing with for his entire career with the Chicago Bears on Sunday against the Lions. And it's not even a debate. It's not even close. Try to make the argument that that's not the case. You can't. Okay, that's fine, but like, okay, great. What has he done with that before? Like on paper, yeah, that's all fine and dandy. But he's like, throwing for four touchdowns in back-to-back games, three hundred yards. But, that's what like, he's done. But also, he hasn't thrown a football in three weeks in game action in four weeks. I think he could have played last week. Right. Yes, right? I think we all agree with that. Yeah. I I I think they were cautious about it. They knew like well, the opponent matters too. The opponent matters. You could probably win that game with Tyson Bajan. We well, both predicted did. them to win, and you did, right? Like, they knew that, and the trainers were focused on Fields' future health, and if he comes back too soon, could permanently damage the finger. Who, who knows? So I am not – like, you can't – you just simply can't approach the analysis of the game as if Fields isn't 100%. That like because you have to assume, right? If you're an objective viewer of the game and, and evaluator, you have to assume that if he's hundred percent, if he's hundred percent, he's able to play on Sunday, then he's capable of doing everything that's asked of him. Because if he's not, then he shouldn't be playing the game. So that's the way I'm gonna view it. And if that's the case, then you are getting the best personnel on the offensive side of the ball with a growing Cole Komet. Uh, a DJ Moore who obviously hasn't looked the same player the last few weeks with with, with Tyson Bajan, but you know his capabilities. Darnell Mooney's looked a little bit better, and then an offensive line that simply without Cody Whitehair gets better, right? Like that's really what it is. Tevin Jenkins has grown into being what it looks like a potential Pro Bowl talent, and he probably won't make it, but he's playing at that level. Sure. Nate Davis is back from injury. Lucas Patrick has been fine at center. He's gotten blown up a few times, but he's been okay. Darnell Wright has been phenomenal, and sure he's had a few rookie mistakes, but they haven't really led to catastrophic failure. On the offensive side of the ball. And then Braxton Jones is back. Don't forget we lost him for you know those four games early in the year that Fields was playing in. So this is a good situation for Justin Fields, Jake. And sure, you do have to walk into Detroit. We'll talk about the matchup and everything. And yeah, Aiden Hutchinson is a threat whether you have Braxton Jones or Trent Williams. Like that's just one of the better edge rushers in football. But I don't know how you could disagree that this is the best personnel unit Justin Fields is playing with you know, for any time that he's been on the Chicago bears. I mean, yeah, again, on paper. Yeah. That all makes sense. But you also, once again, have to consider that, all right, Nate Davis has been hurt. This is again, he fully practiced yesterday, but first full practice for him. in how long yesterday now, Tevin Jenkins moves to left guard for the first time in weeks. And yeah, Lucas Patrick, you said he still gets blown up, still gets the, you know, 
exposed. So on paper, yeah, but there are still question marks and concerns along that offensive line. And again, Justin Fields being there instead of Tyson Bajant makes feel a little bit better because he's better at running and getting out of those situations and those messy situations. But it's still not great. Sure. I mean, your point could still, the two could, the two could still stand like both can be right. It's just also the opponent matters. Like it's just, I don't think it's a good situation because it is the lions and it is on the road. And that's never good for anybody, especially when you're coming off an injury and you have an offensive lineman coming off an injury and another one moving a position for the first time in weeks. That's where I come from. It's not about the players on the bears. It's about going to Detroit coming off an injury when you haven't had game action in a month. That's where my, that's why I think it's bad situation. Could he play great? Yeah, 100%. But me being the pessimist that I am, I'm not expecting this to go well. Look, and I, and I've been with you with the pessimism the last few weeks. I obviously have with, you know, Tyson Bajan in there and, and just everything that the bears had been dealing with, you know, the last few weeks and some of the consistencies that we saw with what they were doing with early in the year when they were terrible, right? Like I was with you on the pessimism, but like, I really do think at this point, you have more reasons to be optimistic right now than be pessimistic, especially with the growth that you've seen from the defense. Like you now have a defense, Jake, that's going to keep you in games. That's probably, even though the Lions are a great offense, it's a pretty good matchup for the Bears defense. They're going to keep you in games and you can kind of approach each game now with like, hey, there's a chance that the Bears could actually win this game. And that's why I'll say this. Like, I honestly believe that among the quote-unquote bad teams in the NFL, right, the teams that are more than one game under 500, right, which if you take a look around the league, I'll have to look at exactly who those uh, those teams are. You have the Bears at 3-7. and seven, You have the Patriots at 2-8. and eight, You have uh, Giants, Cardinals. the Titans at 3-6. and six, The Giants at whatever the hell they are, 2-8. and eight, The Commanders at 4-6, and six, who the Bears have beaten. The Rams at 3-6. and six, The Cardinals at 2-8. and eight, And the Panthers at 1-8. and eight, And the Packers. Out of all of those teams, except for maybe the Rams, but even then I think you make the argument. I think for the rest of the year, the next seven games, the Bears are the one quote-unquote bad team you do not want to play. And it doesn't necessarily have – that's not necessarily a statement that's a reflection of the roster and the talent and everything. It's more a reflection of the situation that they're in. You said you started the show with, hey, Justin Fields is about to embark on this seven-game, you know, mission, right, for to discover if he's the franchise quarterback of the uh, Chicago Bears. Will he be retained? Jake thinks he's all out. I think there's still a possibility. Regardless of what we believe, we kind of heard it from Matt Uberflus, whether you think it's a lie or not, that he does have – like, that. that is a possibility. If he plays well in the next seven games and he shows the things that he they know he's capable of, he could be retained as the quarterback of the Chicago Bears. You are in a desperation spot for the most significant pieces on the roster. The head coach is in a desperation spot. The quarterback is in a desperation spot. There's players across the roster searching for contract extensions in a desperation spot, right? Like you are going week over week for the Chicago Bears of we are going to leave it all out on the field because we have nothing to lose and there is no incentive to throw these games away for anybody on that roster and you are fearful of playing a team like that if you're the opponent. You just simply are. And, you know, we talked earlier in the year about I didn't really feel like the Bears played hard or some sometimes early in the year. We kind of referenced that. They've really played the rass off the last four weeks. They've played hard. And Dan Campbell referenced that in his pregame press or his, uh, you know, weekly press conference talking about the opponent. He talked about how hard the Bears play. 
I just think for the rest of the year, like we know that the Bears roster isn't full of scrubs. It's not full of scrubs. It's it, it's not like you can you can talk about how they play together as a team, but individually, if you go position group by position group, they are not full of scrubs. Aside from maybe still, you know, three tech because you still got Gervon Dexter, who's growing, and Zach Pickens and Justin Jones, whatnot. But this is a team you don't want to face, and I think this is a team that's going to put up a hell of fight uh, on Sunday against the Lions. I really, really do. I mean, it's 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 desperation mode for everybody, pulling out all the stops, play after play, game after game, and maybe it's stupid things that they pull out. Maybe the tricks up their sleeve, like you said on Thursday, are stupid tricks, right? It, it, the cliches like that, but... This is a team you don't want to bet against if you're in a survivor pool and you're putting a lot of money on the line on the uh, on the Detroit Lions. This is a team you probably don't want to lay, you know, nine and a half points against with the Detroit Lions against the Bears. Like I, I, I really don't think you want to do that. Like, I, I don't want to make excuses for what happened early in the year. I'm not saying they're better than their record. I'm not saying any of those things. I'm just saying for the next seven games, you have a team in full desperation mode week after week, going to do everything they can to win games because it matters for the most significant pieces on the roster. And for that reason, I think there is a legitimate chance that they're in this game until the fourth quarter. And I think there's a legitimate chance they win the game, Jake. I really, really do. So optimistic Kevin's back. Here I am. You're fucking welcome. It took uh, 10 weeks. You got pessimistic me for a good portion of time. Uh, I have reasons to believe, though, and legit reasons to believe that optimistic me is uh, is justified and it's rational. Real quick, I want to do this exercise because you talked about teams that are under 500 that you wouldn't want to play. Um, and you said the Bears are probably the most that you don't want to play. I do have a slight... I said, I said two games under 500. Okay, whatever. Same thing. Um, so two games under 500. You also forget the Falcons would also fall under that. Uh, under I would, I, are you kidding? The Falcons I'm, I'm adding it to the list. Relax. Chill. I agree. The Bears are better than the Falcons. Both head coach... Is our idiots wash there, but you have the better quarterback, no matter if it's Ritter or Heineke. Um, you're better than the Panthers. I just saw that you beat them. Definitely better than the Giants. Shout out Illinois legend Tommy DeVito and Brian Dable might be bad. Patriots are cooked. You're better than them. I don't know if you're better than the Cardinals with Kyler Murray. With Kyler Murray. I don't know if you're better yeah. than the Cardinals. I think you're better than the Cardinals with Kyler Murray. Justin Fields is probably better than Kyler Murray, I think, still. And, and that's not a crazy statement at all. And that roster overall but, is much worse than yours. Yeah, probably. And uh, head coach is unproven. But sure, you, there's an argument to be made. You're probably about the same as the Packers, which is really gross. I, I still think the Rams with Stafford are better. Stafford yeah, and McVay, I think, I think better. they're better. Yeah. than um, The Titans, I think, are better. You're better than the Titans. You're Ooh, the Titans. I don't know. Well, we got to see. You got to see more from Levis, but the, the Vrabel a- bump is a lot for me. And then I think the Commanders are better than you, even though you beat them. Um, oh, stop! I it. think Howell's really, really good. Um, yeah, because he throws for garbage time yards, yeah. and when they're down by thirty. Also, let's play this game really fast because oh, right now Tankathon has the Bears, obviously, with the first and fifth pick. Panthers pick being the first Beautiful. one. At the fifth pick, they have the Bears taking Joe Alt out of Notre Dame, the offensive tackle. I don't think they take an offensive tackle, right? I don't know. They don't. So that's a waste at that, of a pick. Like, let's say that it, let's say it holds there first and five. Okay. So you take, you probably take quarterback with the first. If the season ended today, probably take quarterback with the first overall pick, whether that's may or Williams remains to be seen. Would you rather take one of the edge rushers at five or would you take Brock Bowers? 
I mean, I have to know what Brock Bauer's role in an offense is. I mean, like, I, I, is I think he a slot receiver. Right. So let's think like, like he's he? a tight end, but he's a receiver. Like for yeah. all intents and purposes. You, uh, know you don't I mean? take Brock Bowers at fifth, fifth overall. Yeah. You, you can't do it. I mean, uh, taking out the tackles, like if you take out Alt and Fashanu, right, then you're really taking one does, of the edges. You're taking, does, you're taking Turner reverse. Jared reverse. Yeah. Yeah. You have to. I mean, yeah, I, I think you have to. I mean, Montez Sweat is there now, but you know, Yannick Ngakwe is a placeholder. Right. So yeah, you take one of the edge rushers. Maybe there's a chance in that scenario Marvin Harrison falls to five. I mean, I think oh, it's impossible. I'd be shocked. But I, 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 I know. Would you take Kool Aid McKinstry if Jalen Johnson leaves? Um, because then it would be an, it would be a need. Yeah, I would. I think I would. That guy, that player is gonna be really good. He has Sauce Gardner potential. Um, nice. yeah, I think I would. But because I, I honestly do think like you're not. You would need that more than receiver, but Marvin Harrison Jr. is the better player. Sure. So we'll we'll see. I, is it out of the question? Like, we're not going to do the whole I know Will the Bears Jets quarterback say. thing. No, no, we're not going to do the whole Bears quarterback thing. Kelly Williams, we're not going to do that right now. We'll save that for April. Is it a possibility to take Marvin Harrison Jr. number one overall? If Fields is unbelievable, if Fields is awesome for the next seven games, even if you don't win them all. If he's unbelievable and slam dunk, like, all right, this is it. This is, let's do it. All right, here we go. I don't see how you don't. Unless somebody offers you a similar package that Carolina did. Like, let's say, I mean, I don't even, like, unless, like, the Raiders call and offer you Devontae Adams. Like, I don't see how, but also, like, but also, wouldn't you rather just take Marvin Harrison Jr. in that scenario? Yeah. Like, depending on what other picks that the Raiders offer you, obviously. But, yeah, I mean, unless like unless the Rams call and offer you Cooper Cup. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Right, exactly. That's what I mean. But, like, it has to, like, but, again, same thing. Wouldn't you rather just take the younger guy on a rookie exactly. contract in that scenario? Marvin Harrison Jr. is better than Cooper So, Cup. it's just, like, I, I don't think it's out of the question. If Fields... In in your dreamland that Fields is awesome and you win seven straight games and he's unbelievable, then yeah, I don't think it's out of the question. How could it not be? I mean, there you read all any mock drafts that are coming out, everyone's like, Yeah, well, it's gonna be a quarterback, but Marvin Harrison Jr. is the best player in this draft. That's what everybody says. Mm-hmm. And that's and and that's why, you know, when you look at Tankathon or whatever, yeah, the Giants are probably gonna bottom out because they're just gonna keep running Tommy DeVito out there. But I mean, you lose to the Cardinals. And then you jump them in draft order, like Panthers keep losing. Like if you're able to jump the Patriots and the Cardinals and get to number three, like you're alive to to pair a quarterback and Marvin Harrison Jr. You're very alive. I don't think I don't, I don't think it's alive. I, I don't. I, I I think the Bears are going to win enough games. I think they're going to win at least six games this year. I, I think they're going to find six? a way to win at least. Game. I think they'll win three games the rest of the year. They they have to win. Where? Who are they, they beating? They, they oh come on! They can beat the Falcons. They can beat the Cardinals. They can beat the Vikings with Josh Dobbs. They can probably beat the Lions at home. I think. What? They, stop! Stop! No, oh, with the Vikings with Josh Dobbs. They've stop. been great. That, They've objectively great. been great. They've okay. they're winning games, Kevin. Are they an unbeatable team? They're not an unbeatable team, but they've been very. I don't think you're winning that game. 
Okay, well, it's a winnable game. You you can you can argue sure. whether they win it or not, but it, like if you want to find winnable games on the schedule, you can beat the Browns with Dorian Thompson Robson or or, yeah. or, uh, or that or defense though. Walker. That defense is great, but that's a winnable game, right? There's winnable games on the schedule. I think they end up winning six. I don't think it's possible. Nonetheless, to close up the the little draft talk that's inevitable uh, every week of this <laughs> this podcast, um, I I just the the number one pick isn't the slam dunk you think it is anymore. Like the last time we talked about the number one pick was probably like I don't know four weeks ago. Like like we did like a sure. whole episode on it because the Bears were so bad and there was nothing else to talk about. And at that point, the only thing on your mind was Caleb Williams. Things have changed in the past four weeks. That has looked like a completely different player. He is no longer the lock to be the number one overall pick. He's no longer right. the slam dunk people think he is. He's no longer the generational prospect people wanted to make him out to be. There is no you know, safety in taking that player. And I think you have to recognize when we talk about these next seven games with Justin Fields and we talk about what it means for the future of the franchise, like maybe you don't have to see unbelievable in the next seven weeks. Maybe you just have to see more than competent, right? Because you now know that if you were to not take a quarterback, you're not really missing out on generational anymore. And you might be better off pairing him with generational wide receiver and potential top five wide, top 10 wide receiver all time. Like that is the ceiling for Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, And that is clear. So I think just the developments that have happened with Caleb Williams and even with Drake May, who hasn't looked spectacular, but has the tools and, you know, he got the tools and here we go again with guys with tools and haven't really shown much like, I, I just don't think that the lock is there for number one overall pick and that recognition and the Bears have been at these games. The Bears were at, you know, that Notre Dame game with Caleb Williams. And I think Williams actually played decent in that game, but kind of threw it away at the end. Like, I don't re- I don't remember that game that much. That was the they three, wa- that was the three interception game. Okay, that was the really bad game. That was really yes. bad. Yeah, that was the really bad game. The Bears were there. Ryan Poles was there. Like They've had a front row seat to see that, hey, maybe this first overall pick that we may hold doesn't have as much weight uh, when it comes to the quarterback position as you thought it was. Anyway, back to the Lions game. Here we are, week 11. Uh, let's go into a little bit more of a game breakdown. Jake, I referenced the fact that this could be a winnable game for the Bears. Yes, they're on the road. Detroit's been a tough place to play. It's a team that's playing really well. They're 7-2. and two. I, And when I say this, I don't want this to come off as, like, historical precedent showing that I don't think the lions are like a juggernaut uh, in the NFC, like just cause they haven't been and they haven't had the proven ability to win consistently and win in the playoffs, win at a high level name, the team among, uh, among the Cowboys, the Eagles, the 49ers say, say uh, let's throw in one more NFC team in there. That could be in the playoffs, the Seahawks uh, among those teams. The Seahawks, the Niners, the Eagles, and the Cowboys, if any of those teams were to face Detroit in the first round, Detroit goes home. That that's the way I that's the way I look at the Lions right now. Like I think they can they're beat the Cowboys. a good team, but what? I think they could beat the Cowboys. I don't know. I think I think the Cowboys are really, really good. But sure, the historical precedents for the Cowboys suggest that they won't win in the playoffs and they can't win in the playoffs. So that's that that's Correct. fair. I, I I can give that to you. And the Seahawks are Really volatile, but they did beat the Lions earlier in the year, which is really the only reason I say that. I don't think this Detroit Lions team is making a push for the NFC Championship. I don't think this Detroit Lions team is a Super Bowl team. I don't. I think they're a great team, but 
I don't think they're class of the NFC sure. unbeatable uh, at home type team. That's the way I'm approaching this game, Jake. And if you just look at like like good teams get blown out, it happens. But you lose thirty eight to six to the Ravens, right? I Whoa. mean, you, you, that might be more about the Ravens than the Lions, though. Sure, it might be more about the Ravens, but you barely squeak out against the Chargers, forty one to thirty eight. The defense doesn't look as good. They've lost a lot of guys to injury, a lot of guys to season ending injury, especially in that secondary. Um, I just like this is a good football team. Do not get me wrong. I don't think they're class of the NFC. And I don't think this is a an unwinnable game. No, it's not an unwinnable game. But also, here's a big thing. Remember our discussion a month or two ago that this coaching staff might just be incapable of creating a game plan for Justin Fields. Remember when we talked about that? Okay, they can do it for Tyson Bagent because he's so limited that there's only so much you can do and you have to keep it simple. And this is still the same coaching staff. They still just might not be able to be able to create a game plan for someone as dynamic as Justin Fields. And you know that they're going to use the excuse of, well, he hasn't played in a month, so we we can't open the playbook. We have to keep things at a base level. And so guess what? We're going to do a lot of screen passes. We're going to take the pressure off Justin Fields. We're going to try and run the ball because, you know, he hasn't played in a month and we still got to ramp him up to game action. You know that's going to happen because that's what this coaching staff does because they're moronic. That's what happens. I'm telling you right now, you're going to see a lot of screen passes. You're going to see them try and run the ball into the into this defensive line of the Lions because they're going to use the injury as an excuse and because they're going to use it as a crutch for the inability that they have to make a game plan that makes Justin Fields' talent shine through. So I just don't like... Yes, everything you said is correct. The Lions are dealing with injuries. Yet I, I think you're correct in that they're a playoff team that wins a bunch of games in the regular season and probably just gets smoked by the 49ers or the Eagles. But they're still going to be a, a team that goes to the playoffs. They're still a team that's better than you, and you still have to go into a hostile environment. You think that these Lions fans don't sp- smell blood in the water too? That place is going to be loud. That pl- Especially on a holiday weekend, like – that place is going to be an absolute zoo because for the first time in a while, the lions feel like that they have the advantage and those fans are going to smell the blood in the water. The bears are limping to the finish line here. The lions are going to the playoffs. Like that's going to be a tough place to go play. And it already is usually because it's a rivalry division game. Like think about the last couple of years, those games and throughout the Tim Boyle and uh, Nathan Peterman, because but David Blau, yeah, throw out those backup quarterback games because, oh, my God. But otherwise, like, you know what I mean? It's just that and that's part of why I said at the beginning of the show, I don't think this is a good situation to be thrown in coming off an injury because there's so many moving parts for you as an offense. And also, like, the Lions are going to be a really good regular season team. I get it. They got smoked by the Ravens again. I think that's more of a Ravens thing. I think that they're just really, really good. They might have the MVP of the league in Lamar Jackson. And so that might be a more Ravens thing than the Lions thing. And the AFC is just really good. But I just don't like, yes, you're right. Winnable game. And by winnable game, I like for me, it's like a 5% chance. I, I think you're in for a really bad time. Like Terra. as good as, as good as Darnell Wright has been. And I agree. He looks like a cornerstone piece. He looks like a blue chip piece for you. I mean, going against Aiden Hutchinson on turf is 
not a great spot for any rookie. Darnell Wright might be the next Trent Williams. He might be awesome, but it's not a good situation here. You've never seen Aiden Hutchinson before. You're on his home turf. He's going to be ready to go. He's going to be amped up. I just don't like that's a tough scenario to be put in. Um, you're Darnell right. Wright, there's no one. But it's just I, I I don't see this going well. I like full disclosure. I think the Bears lose by double digits. Oh my god! All right. Well, let's we'll we'll get to that prediction. Uh, here's the thing, Jake. The matchup favors the Chicago Bears defensively because this is a team that wants to establish running the football and they want to do it all game. And they have probably the best running back duo in the NFL. And Dave Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs, who's really freaking good, who's better than Dave Montgomery, but they won't give him enough reps. And he's had three straight 20-plus point fantasy games, yada, yada, yada. Uh, guess what? The Chicago Bears are a top three rush defense in the NFL. Top three, all right? They're number one in the NFL in opponent yards per rush. They're number two in the NFL in opponent rush yards per game. And they're number three in the NFL in opponent rush TDs per game. This is a unbelievably good Bears rush defense right now. You are going to be able to stifle what they present to you with Dave Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs and force Jared Goff to win you the game if you're the Detroit Lions. And, hey, Jared Goff has been good. And it's not like, hey, if you force Jared Goff to win the game, it's it's an easy win for the Bears because he can't do it. No, he can do it. He definitely can do it. But you would rather put the game in his hands against a Bears secondary that has looked a lot better and a Kyler Gordon who has grown into a really good player the last couple of weeks, yep. uh, fully healthy now, you'd rather have that be the case than have a terrible rush defense and allow Dave, Monk- Dave Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs to run all over you all game. So this feature, and, and like, when you look at the like when you look at the Lions personnel, like, and this is a, is why Ben Johnson is really great. Laporte is good. Amon Ross St. Brown is great. Other than those two guys, there's no one else in that offense that scares you when it comes to catching the football. Nobody. Jameer Gibbs could break one off. Who? Jameer Gibbs could break one off. Uh, As a receiver? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I mean. I'm talking about receivers as pass catchers. So, yes, as a pass catcher, Jameer Gibbs, it it can still do that. But other than that, like, if you are putting yourself in situations where one of the best coverage cornerbacks in the NFL and Jalen Johnson is taking away Amon Ross St. Brown – and now Jared Goff has to throw to Cleef Raymond and throw to Marvin Jones and throw to all these different guys. And Kyle Gordon's look better. Like that, that just that's the way you want to play if you're the Bears defense. And the matchup favors it. So that's why I honestly think the Bears are gonna stay in this game from the defensive side of the ball, is because this rush defense has been so good. And sure, Dave Montgomery revenge game. I I don't I, come on, guys. Like I, I just I, I Dave Montgomery is not, he's not scaring me. I'm sorry. He's not. I, I was going to bring no up dis- David Montgomery revenge game, to be honest. That's no disrespect from bold predictions. Yeah. yeah, It's no disrespect to Dave Montgomery. Jameer Gibbs scares me more than him. I mean, it's, it, 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 well, it, yeah, should. obviously. Well, I think there's a lot of people who be like, well, what are you talking about? Um, I don't know. I, I just, when you look at the stats, when you look on paper and then you look at, okay, what are the, what are the two losses for uh, the Detroit Lions and really some of the games where they haven't scored a ton of points? All right, week seven versus the Ravens. We referenced that game, lost 38 to six. They had 84 rushing yards in that game. Nothing spectacular. Week two versus the Seahawks, they lost 37-31. They had 102 rushing yards. They still had good offensive output in that game. It's really hard to make a correlation uh, with rushing yardage and, you know, uh, offensive success in that game, uh, and they still put up 31. But week four against the Buccaneers, they won 20-6, to six, a slog of a game that they barely sneak out against a bad team. 
40 rush yards, right? Like you are seeing a trend here with the Lions the entire year that if you do stifle their run game and you do shut down these guys, that you will be in the game and that they will not put up the 30 points that, you know, they typically do. Last week when they put up 41, yeah, they had 250 rushing yards. Like that's, these are trends that are you are noticing and it favors the Chicago Bears in this game. And maybe they take, the Bears take a regression uh, with the rush defense in this game. Maybe the Lions are just so good at rushing offense and Ben Johnson's so smart that they find ways to make it work. But from what we know in the first 10 weeks of the season, the Bears have a very good rush defense and the Detroit Lions do struggle putting up points when the opposing defense shuts down their run game that that's just trends that we can notice and, and and dissect in the first 10 weeks so that's all i'm putting out there as far as the bears defense against the the lions offense and how it can favor that matchup sure i i agree that if you take away the run that you definitely are more like i mean Shocking. Shock, stop me if you heard this before. You take a game's best players out of it, you have a better chance to win the game. But I just think that there's sure you could take Amon Ross St. Brown out of this, and, and Jalen Johnson is that good. Don't get me wrong. But I think there's just too much, especially with Tremaine Edmonds out because he didn't practice yesterday. We'll see what happens today when the injury report comes out, but it's not looking good for him. That I think there's just too much to keep track of for the Lions because. They Jared Goff, say what you will about him, that he can't win in the biggest spots or he's not going to win you a game, but he can, you know, manage a game plan enough to kill you with a thousand paper cuts. 100%. And I think that that's what the Lions have the capability to do here, whether that's Jameer Gibbs in the receiving game or on the ground, whether it's the David Montgomery revenge game, even you take Amon Ross St. Brown out of it, like Sam Laporte is good. He's a good pass catching tight end. So I think that, and that's what the bears have struggled with this season, last season. Even if you take one guy out of it, if a team has multiple playmakers, the bears struggle to contain the second guy or the third guy. They've gotten beaten by those guys multiple times in the past. So that's what I worry about. Okay. Let's say that you take David Montgomery out of it and you, and you mitigate the revenge game factor. Let's say you take Amon Ross St. Brown of it as much as you can. Let's say he only has, Four catches for 60 yards, something like that. Doesn't this feel like a Jameer Gibbs, like seven catches for 125 yards or something, especially with his big playability? Like this doesn't have to be a shootout where the the Lions win 24 to three. But wouldn't it be so bears? Would anybody be surprised if late in the game you lose track of Jameer Gibbs on one play? He takes it to the house and that's how you lose. Like would anybody anybody be surprised by that? I wouldn't, not at all. If anything, I would I would think it's likely. So that's that's my issue. Is that okay? Even if you game plan for Amon Ross St. Brown, what's your plan for the guy after that? What's what's your plan for Jameer Gibbs and Sam Laporta? And what's your plan for containing the offense as a whole? Because the Lions have shown this year that they're a good offense and that they can go to that second, third option. The Bears have struggled to show that they can contain that second and third option. That's my worry. Yeah, and I'm I'm looking at the stats right now, actually, of receiving yards and receiving touchdowns allowed to running backs. Uh, I'm trying to remember... Which running backs have torched the Bears in the air this season? Um, I, I, I really can't think of Aaron right Jones. Now. I guess Austin Eckler went crazy. I, I, it was Austin Eckler that had 100 yards and receiving touchdown. Aaron um, Jones week one. Aaron Jones. Yeah, Aaron Jones week one. He killed you. 
And that's what I'm talking about. Like Aaron Jones specifically, like think about that play specifically. That's what killed you. His second touchdown, that receiving touchdown, we ended up getting hurt, but that was like the straw that broke the camel's back. That was like an exact example of what could happen in this game. Late in the game, you're still kind of hanging on. You're you're down by ten. There's a chance if you hold them, and then you just give up the big play, and it's and that's where the game gets away from you. That's that's my fear. Yeah, Eckler's another good example of that. Your fear is warranted because when you look at the stats, they are allowing significantly the most reception yards to running backs and significantly the most reception TDs to running backs. Uh, it's it's not even close. Um, so that is that is yeah. not Al- encouraging. Alvin Kamara hurt you a couple weeks um, ago too. Right, right, right. That That's not encouraging, uh, especially if Tremaine's out. So that's something to keep an eye on just with, with the threat of Jameer Gibbs. Now, if you're a Jameer Gibbs fantasy owner, this is a really good spot for you. Um, but still, nonetheless, like I, I still think that this is a, a still a favorable matchup, still ways that you can win the game. But on the contrary, the Detroit Lions, and this goes back to what you're talking about, about, hey, we know that the Bears are incapable of designing a game plan for the most part consistently around Justin Fields. And we know they've done it at times, right? They did it with the Broncos and they did it uh, against the uh, commanders. When you saw those unbelievable performances from Justin Fields and that offensive output, that was great. Uh, But for the most part, they want to run a really basic dumb down offense. That's, you know, sparked by running the football and occasionally taking shot plays down the field um, and checking down and screening and doing all the things they did with Tyson Bajan and not throwing the ball on the field. And guess what? They're two and two because of it. And they love that. And that's exactly what they want. Um, you can't do that in this game because the Detroit Lions rush defense is really good. They are fourth in opponent yards per rush and third in opponent rush yards per game. And teams only rush against them uh, 35% of the time, fourth lowest in the league. But it's still a good rush defense, and that's reflected by a pony yards per rush, which is a stat that uh, is independent, really, of rush play percentage. But you can expose this this pass defense. I mean, they've been exposed all year. They were exposed last week uh, with by Keenan Allen and the Justin Herbert-led Chargers. Uh, this is a pass defense that is allowing 231 pass yards per game, 20th in the NFL. Their sack percentage is 6%, 25th in the NFL. They haven't getting haven't been getting sacks, haven't been getting into the quarterback at all, really. 15th in opponent yards per, per, per pass. Like, uh, middle of the road in, in takeaways and interceptions. Mediocre. Pass defense for the Detroit Lions. Mediocre and and arguably below average. And if that's the case, then the Chicago Bears have to recognize that and they cannot rely on running the football. This cannot be a clue Herbert Deonta Foreman game. This has to be a game plan similar to what it was with the Commanders. This has to be similar to what it was with the Denver Broncos. Do I have confidence that's going to happen, Jake? Hell no, I don't. And you honestly probably shouldn't. But if there's one way to look at it, when we talk about desperation, and we talk about, we know, and hopefully they know, jobs are on the line on a week-to-week basis. If you're Luke Getze, like, you have to pull out all the stops. You have to find a way to develop a game plan around Justin Fields. You have to find a way to make this work. Maybe they know, or maybe they think now, that their only way to stay around is if it is linked. Maybe you're right. Maybe your statement at the beginning of the show was correct. Maybe the two are linked. Maybe Getsy and the coaching staff are linked to Justin Fields and the, the success of him is the success of them and they're paired. And if that's the case, then this has to be a game plan we haven't seen. This has to be a game plan of significant down the field shots, significant pass play percentage, not you know ground and pounding your way to a win. And I know they might approach it as that's the best way to stay in the game in the fourth quarter and have a chance and maybe win this thing 21-17. But... 
I think you got to take shots. You got to take advantage of the matchup and the matchup favors throwing the ball down the field and favors, you know, deep intermediate passing plays uh, where you can expose a Detroit Lions pass defense. That's mediocre and has had a lot of injuries throughout the year. So that's the formula, man. I mean, that really is the formula. And again, maybe I'm wrong about the health. I said, Hey, if he's hundred percent, he should be able to throw the ball down the field as far as he can. Uh, maybe he's limited enough to the point where they might go dink and dunk because they don't have faith. He can throw the ball down the field. You really don't know. And it's hard for us to speculate without knowing the true, you know, uh, intricacies of his injury, but that's the approach. And that should be the approach. If you fucking win the toss, take the ball, go down the field, take some shots, right? Do the Ryan Fitzpatrick or who it was. The, I believe it was Ryan Fitzpatrick who won the coin toss. And over time was like, we want the fucking ball and we're going to win the game or some dumb shit. And then I think he threw a pick six. Um, that's the formula. Call me, color me crazy. I'm, I'm ready. I, I, Jake, I'm not going to lie. We'll get into bowl predictions and, and game predictions next. I'm kind of excited for the game. Like this is the most excited I've been for a game since week three against the Chiefs. Well, yeah, that's just because Justin Fields is back in your life. Yeah, that, but that's, that's the bump from that. That is the bump. But, like, is that wrong? I don't know if I'm excited for any of these games. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know if I'm excited for any of these games anymore. Um, I get what you mean, though. There's, like, a little extra juice with the Justin Fields, obviously, rivalry game, holiday weekend, or pre-holiday weekend. Pre, yeah. Pre-holiday weekend. Yeah. Yep. Um, so I, I kind of get what you're saying. Um, and obviously, like, that's what we're going to be watching is Justin Fields for the next seven games, as we talked about multiple times this episode. So, all right, Kev, go for it. What's your Justin Fields bowl prediction? How many touchdowns? Well, are we doing the game line? We're doing the stat lines again? Yeah. We're doing for Beijing. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Justin Fields will throw for 260 yards in the game. He'll throw for two touchdowns in the game. He'll rush for a touchdown in the game. And he'll rush for 76 yards in the game. Okay. He will rely on his legs more because he may be a little bit scared to throw the ball down the field. You know what? Can I change that actually? Can I can I can I sure. modify? Sure. Please. 92 rush yards, 243 pass yards. All right. The modification there. Okay. Uh one rush still with the touchdowns. One rush touchdown, uh, two pass touchdowns. I, I, 92 I, I, rushing yards. Now. 92 rushing yards. He's going to break a big one in this one. He's going to use his legs more than he uh, has at all this year because he probably is going to want to run and maybe not throw because of the injury. I don't know. I'm just speculating here. Uh, if you all remember, my Justin Fields stat line predictions have been unbelievably close. So if you trust anyone, it should be me. What do you got? Uh, all right. I do. I just don't know with the thumb injury. Because the whole thing was like, can he grip the ball? Ba, 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 ba. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I'm like, okay, he might be 100% healthy, but like, what what does that entail here? So I'm going to say that the Bears, at least in the beginning, attempt to play this a little bit more conservatively. And I think they're going to try to run the ball because that's what they do anyway, especially that the way Dante Foreman's been playing recently. Uh, I'm going to say that Justin Fields has 189 passing yards. Let's see, he has a touchdown each on the ground and uh, and through the air, but I think he throws an interception early as he's shaking the rust, okay. uh, rust off. Uh, and I'll say 71 rushing yards. Okay. Uh, I think he also throws an interception. My bad. I didn't know we were doing turnovers too. I'll, I'll add an interception in there as well. Um, yeah, I think that's a very fair line. I think that's very fair. Um, what are your bold predictions for the game on offense? Uh, I think that this is going to be, uh, I think it, 
I don't know how bold it is. I think David Montgomery has multiple touchdowns. I believe in the revenge game factor. Bears let him walk. He goes and signs a very reasonable contract with the Lions. He's been having a good year despite some injury issues. I think David Montgomery revenge game is in full tilt, two touchdowns for him. Okay, but like, isn't it for truth for the Lions? <laughs> like, it's, it's, it just makes no sense. Like, you're furthering the idea that paying running backs is a dumb idea is a dumb concept Yes, because you pay $30 million to Dave Montgomery. The bears rushing offense hasn't really skipped a beat. Deonta Foreman's looked just as good. And on the Detroit lions, Jameer Gibbs and the rushing offense has looked better without him. I don't, I don't, I don't, I, it, it's, it's just funny. Like I, it's, that is nothing to do with your bold prediction or the game or anything. It's just, it, it, it it's just very, very funny to recognize that. And know that Jameer Gibbs is the better player, but they have to give the ball to Dave Montgomery because they, they owe him $30 him, yeah. million. Like, <laughs> and for that reason, I don't hate your bull prediction because, you know, like Dan Campbell is such a narrative guy and such like a, like if they get to the one or the two yard line, like no tush push, no Jameer Gibbs, Dave yeah. Montgomery's getting the ball four Dive. times in a row so he can get a touchdown against his former team. 100%. Like hundred percent that's going to happen. So I uh, I do agree with you. I, I I actually don't hate two like two rushing touchdowns for Dave Montgomery, although the Bears have been really good at preventing rush touchdowns, like I said, they're in the NFL, 0.4 per game. Um, but the whole revenge game thing is real. Uh on the offensive side of the ball, I think DJ Moore returns back to form. I think he has a hundred yards and a touchdown. Um, obviously not the same player with Tyson Bajan in there. You could see his frustration too, which I thought was interesting. And I don't know if it was last game. I believe it was the saints game where, you know, just wasn't getting the ball balls thrown out of bounds. Just like he can't be the explosive player. He wants to be in this offense. It's just not the way it is. We know how productive he was with Justin Fields, obviously 200 yards and three touchdowns against the commanders and all that. I think obviously we know he's his go-to guy, hundred yards and a touchdown should be fairly doable for DJ Moore back with Justin Fields as the quarterback defensive. Do you have any defensive? Uh, I do think that this, we talked about it a little bit. I'm going to say Kyler Gordon interception. Uh, he, is playing really awesome. He looks like a blue chip guy. We talked about, I mentioned that term earlier. He's just really coming into his own. He looks awesome. He looks, you know, Kyler man is fully here, I think. And Jared Goff, you know, likes to take some risks over the middle. So I I think that this lines up well for Kyler Gordon. I agree. Um, I I, I love, I absolutely do love that. I'm going to go Montez Sweat gets his first NFL sack. Um, It's just been, a lot of pressures for him. He's been getting after the quarterback, but he hasn't gotten home. I think he finally gets home, and you see that impact. And, yes, he's going up against Panay Sewell, one of the best tackles in the NFL, and and that guy's really good. But, you know, you get pressure from somewhere else, and it frees up a guy. Like, th- th- there's a way that he can get a sack, even though he's going up against a pretty damn good offensive line. Montez Sweat records first NFL sack. All right, let's do it. I know where you're going with the game prediction. Uh, 41 to zero lines win. That's what you're going with. (laughs) Go ahead. No, I do think that I think this gets ugly, but I think it's like kind of how we said, I think there's a play late. I think you're close. And then you just kind of blow it late, whether that's to Jameer Gibbs or whoever, I think you give up a critical big play and you end up losing the game. I, I think the bears lose this game by double digits. I think they lose 24 to 10. For ten, only ten points. That's it. Ten against a defense that just allowed thirty-eight. Okay, okay. 
I, 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 how much of it is the Justin Fields factor with like coming off injury? Like, how, like if he was fully healthy, part of it's that. It still- part of it's that this coaching staff, time and again, has shown the inability to game plan for him, and I think yeah. that they're going to be scared. I think they're going to say, "Oh, well, he's injured, so now we have to dial it back even more." I think they're going to play conservative. I think they're going to keep trying to run the ball, even if it's not working. It's partially knocking the rust off from injury. It's a lot of the coaching. Yeah, and if you do look at the last time the Bears came off a really good performance on Thursday night, right, 40-20 to 20 against the Commanders, they filed that up against the Vikings with a 13-point loss. Well, and Fields and got Fields, hurt during that game. Uh, Fields got hurt in that game. And they, they actually might win that game if Fields stays healthy sure. for the entirety of it. Bajan threw two interceptions uh, to throw it away, and it was still a one-score game. Um, so, yeah, I get that. Look, I... I'm going with a win. I'm going with the Bears yeah, win. Shocker. I'm just, I'm just, no, it's not a shocker. It, it, it's really I know, not. I said that very I, sarcastically. I, I know, but just with everything I detailed, like, don't, don't you guys understand when I predict these wins, there's merit and there's a reason and there's logic mm-hmm, to some, mm-hmm. to, to, okay, to so some extent. Okay. So land the plane. Um, Bears win 27, 24. They walk into the Ford field in full desperation mode and they pull off the upset. Uh, this is a Lions team that I think is good, but not great, not formidable, beatable injuries throughout the year. Lost their best secondary player, CJ Gardner Johnson, to the season ending pack injury. Uh, Jeff Okuda, whether he's good or not, Whatever, he's been yeah. gone. This is just a winnable game, in my opinion. I think they walk in there, they take advantage of the team that's been holding its head really high. And is coming from the West Coast in a slog of a game, and is potentially due for a letdown spot. That that that's really all I think it is. They've had a couple of them this year, and they've won a few in a row. And I think they're due for a letdown. So that's where I'm going with. I think the Bears pull it off, and they pull out all the stops, and they get a win, uh, 27-24, in a shocking, shocking, shocking development in the NFL. So. All right. Well, I mean, that'll be the first step of Justin Fields entrenching himself as the franchise quarterback. So really, really surprising me and Kevin are on opposite sides. Who would have possibly seen that coming? We've been uh, on the same side for like five weeks in a row. Well, that was the Tyson Bajan effect, though. That wasn't because of that, you know anything that was on the field. That's because you're a Bajan non-believer, and I just think this team stinks in general. But I digress. Um, but we'll see. I mean, I, I don't disagree that it's a winnable game. It's just I think that there's too much at play against the Bears, whether that's the coaching or that's the injury situation, whether that's the offensive line still being in flux. I just don't. I, I think the Lions are better coached. I think at home is a big bump for them in this situation. Just It just doesn't see. And, and again, I think it's going to be close until the very end. I think it's just a big play at the end breaks you. So that's I'm not saying they go, get boat raced, but. I just don't think it, it – I think it will look worse in the box score than it actually plays out on television. So we'll see. Okay. We'll be back, though, on Monday to recap this game. We are fully on Justin Fields' watch to see what happens for the future of the quarterback, uh, and that will be the dominating storyline going forward. Ah, yes, the effects again. Missed that. Um, all right. For myself, for Kevin, this has been Bears Nation Podcast. Thank you to the listeners, the viewers. You guys are the best, as always. We'll be back on Monday. And until then, bear down. Bear down.